0: Good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldezan with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, Between Tools, will try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Once you click, give us a call. It's 291 6901. And you use our area code here in Baton Rouge, which is 225. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. There you go. Sure wish you would. We always enjoy hearing from you. And whatever kind of problems you got, any kind of advice you need, you just let us know. We'll get you an answer. That's it. Just quick, fast, and in a hurry. I <laughs> <laughs> thought today we would talk a little bit about some things, some topics that we've been trying to get to. and right. just, We've been fairly busy and quite a few calls on the last several shows, so we hadn't had time to get to a lot of them. But I had a gentleman who had sent an email and said, could y'all say something about buying a car? And in particular, what his complaint was, he had bought a car which wasn't exactly what he wanted. It right. didn't have exactly the options that he wanted in it. But the dealership ensured him that they could install those. Okay. Well, in reality, what happened, and I think one of the things that comes to mind, didn't have a cruise control that he wanted. All right. The dealership did not go and try to put in a factory system. Yeah, like it, it would come in the car originally, right. they sent the car out and mm-hmm. had an aftermarket system put in it. Right, like a stereo shop. Somebody's installed an aftermarket system Uh uh-huh which he says never did work right and caused all kinds of other issues with the car right and the point is if you buy a car if you're going to go to the extent of buying a new car which is a pretty big extent because cars are extremely expensive go ahead and make sure you get everything you want in that car and that being new or used correct it's better to buy the car you want than to buy a car and try to change it into what you want correct it's going to be extremely expensive to try to change a vehicle from what it was originally designed to be and probably a little aggravating very aggravating it generally doesn't work out very well right i know i've seen people buy a car that doesn't get very good fuel economy but they want a better economy so then they start trying to buy all this stuff to add to the car to increase the economy which just never works right because cars are designed one way and if that engine is inherently inefficient or the car is heavy or it's not aerodynamically designed you're just not going to pick up the fuel account yeah anything. no matter what you do you're not going to change that appreciably right you know if you buy a ford excursion you're just not going to get that fuel mileage up much above where it's at no but you're gonna be able to pull a house with it you yeah, know <laughs> that, because that was what That's, it was designed exactly. to do. exactly And the same thing, if you buy a Toyota Prius, you're not going to be able to tow your bass boat with it. That's right. It's just not designed to do that. It's designed to give good fuel economy. It's a very light vehicle. So the point is to buy what it is that you want, that you need, and need. That way it's all engineered to work together, and you're not going to have a lot of the aggravating issues later on. There you go. Let's catch a couple of these phone lines. Good morning, Joe. Look, I got a 2007
1: Honda Pilot. Okay. Wanting to make a trip, it's about two days away, and roughly maybe close to three thousand miles one way, three thousand back. Okay. The timing belt should I be concerned because it's got one hundred and thirty-three thousand miles on it? It's really been a trouble-free car. Yeah,
0: it's original timing belt on
1: it. I would say, yeah. Oh yeah. You, yeah. yeah. You oh use, man,
0: running on you're, bar time. Oh, you're you're way way on bar time, man. Because seven years was the outside limit on that belt. So it was um, two thousand seven. It was due in two thousand fourteen.
1: It's an internal belt, isn't
0: it? Yes all, yes. all timing belts are inside the motor. Yes, sir.
1: So if that belt were to go on me... It'll so, break, and
0: the car will stop, and it'll destroy the engine. All uh,
1: right. What other maintenance would you recommend? Because we're going to be going through some mountains pretty dusty. Well, it just depends on what's been done area. on
0: it, Gio. I mean, if you've taken care of the car all along, then you, you have to change timing belt, and you should be in pretty good shape. But, I mean, if you've you've neglected the car, I mean, you've... Would be probably better off to go rent a car and take it or or bring this one back up to standards. But, yeah, there's going to be a lot of stuff that's way, way past due on that car. I wouldn't take a car like down the road. I wouldn't even be driving around town.
1: How can I get uh, you guys to check it out for
0: me? Well, we do what we call a general inspection, which is where we would go through, review everything that's been done. You bring your records with you. We'll check the car and see what things are needed, and then we'll give you a complete list. And we'll also break it down and say, okay, this is is way past due. This is due soon. This is coming up in the next year. So, you know, not everything necessarily has to be done, but right. you know, I would definitely, definitely recommend that before even trying to get on that road with the car because if that timing belt breaks, like I said, not only is it going to total your car, but it's going to leave you stranded.
1: What's y'all's number to get a in faulty in the middle of the week?
0: Well, two nine one sixty nine hundred. 291
1: 6900, 6900. All right. I'm going to give you all a call and bring it in. Y'all pretty busy right
0: now? Or? Yeah. We stay pretty booked up year round, but I mean, call Elaine or Elizabeth. Either one of them can set it up for you and they'll get you in there fairly quickly. Good deal. Appreciate all right. it. All right, Geo. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. All one sixty nine zero one. There you go. go. <laughs> he, he got me off track there. <laughs> Let's go back to the phone. I was John. Good morning, John. Good morning,
2: guys. I'll give you my situation, and then I'll ask my question. Okay. Suburban, Mm -hmm. about four months ago, I wasn't having any issues with it. I went and had transmission filter change. It dropped the pan, Mm -hmm. change your fluid in the rear end, and um, I was there when they dropped the pan, and Mm -hmm. it was, you know, small. It wasn't anything chunky or anything, like very, very small, small granules of sand, and they said, well, what do you want to do? I said, well, let's just, you know, change the filter and make some adjustments, and Mm-hmm. Let's put it on and let's go with it. And so ran great shifts. It still shifts great. It shifts fine. That was about four months ago, about three weeks ago for maybe two or three days.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I was having a hard shift between first and second. Mm-hmm. That was it. no mm-hmm. other issues between that. And then it went away and it's right. been gone. Well, since that time, now i got to check engine. Yeah.
0: Well, that's, so that all goes hand in hand.
2: It, it's a transmission slipping. Mm -hmm. But it still runs like, I I mean, it it shifts fine. Yeah.
1: So what do I do?
0: Well, what happened most likely when it started shifting hard, John, is you took a longer trip than you traditionally do. And as if you're driving two or three miles at a time, five miles at a time, that's not generally going to occur. If you take and drive about 30 or 40 miles, is when you can start getting that slamming in gear. Because what's happening is that the transmission is slipping internally. And the computer recognizes it's slipping, so it starts to boost the pressure to try to prevent that. When it boosts that pressure up high enough, then it's going to start slamming into gear. Now, when you turn the key off and turn it back on, it's going to start all over again. So, if you only drive three, four, or five miles, it doesn't have time to detect it, boost the pressure high enough to really give you that slamming hard shift. Likely, you're taking a little bit longer than normal trip at the time that it started doing that. All of these are just warning signs. Transmission's going out. I mean, the combination of the pieces of metal in the fan, it's not sand, it's just metal. It's generating metal. The hard shift, the check engine light, probably be like a P1870, I think, is the code.
2: I didn't get a code. It just, it just said, you know, transmission slipping.
0: That's right. It's all the signs that transmission is going out. How many miles do you have on it, John? It's got 170 on it. Yeah, so that's it's about normal on a four L 60 E transmission. Now I got to say it's an '05 five model. It's an
2: '05, five. And I'm telling you what it runs. Yeah. I mean, it's fine. I mean, there's,
0: Yeah, well, it's giving, it's giving you the signs. just right. saying, Hey, I'm fixing to go out. You know, it's going to run fine because the computer's going to keep trying to cover it up, but it just depends on how big a deal it is for you to get left on the side of the road somewhere and the transmission tear completely up. If that's not a big deal, just drive it till it drops. You know, if it is a big deal, then you have to act proactively. And right now, you may be able to save some money getting it rebuilt before it completely tears up, but maybe not. Damage may already be done. What I'm saying is an 05 Suburban is one of the best Suburbans they ever built, in my opinion. Much, much better than if you go buy a new one. So it is yeah. well worth putting a transmission into, unless you just hate the vehicle. I mean, if you hate well, the vehicle, it's a good time to bail on it.
2: All right, so then let me, let me ask you this. When you talk about rebuild the transmission, are we mm-hmm. talking about replacing some solenoids, some valve bodies. Are we talking about the entire transmission?
0: Everybody has their own definition right. of rebuilding a transmission, and right. you'd have to talk to the shop right. that you choose to do it. You know, Some yeah. people call putting in some gaskets and seals and painting it rebuilt, and they'll quote you a price of about 1000 bucks. And then you get down the road, and six months later, you got the same exact problems or worse. Other right. shops are going to take it completely apart, change every bushing. They're going to put it all back just like it was. Still, other shops are going to go in and upgrade it. They're going to put a forged reaction shell. They're going to put aluminum pistons instead of the plastic pistons. Because those are the failure points They're going to put the planetaries out of a 4L65, which has five pinions instead of four. And that's a little upgrade. So it depends on who you pick. And that's why you can't just call around and start getting prices. If you do, you'll find the guy with the cheapest transmission, which probably is not what you need. Right. Right, right. But there's no no defined definition of what rebuilt is.
2: So that check engine light will stay on. Even if I go have it turned
0: off, yeah, it will come back on. Yeah, that's right. When you turn it off, it's going to clear the readiness test. So you can't get an inspection sticker because the readiness tests are incomplete. Now, as soon as that test passes again, the light's coming back on. And even if it goes off, it's still in memory. Yeah. So this is something you're going to have to deal with. I mean, you can go down and trade the car off if you want to, or you can rebuild the transmission. But, I mean, you're not going to. And, I mean, there are people who will go in and try to repair that problem. I would not, personally. No. There are people who go in and change the pressure control solenoid, and all or They'll change this. Or they'll change that. In my opinion, that's an absolute waste of money and time because it's going to come right back. I mean, it's 160,000 miles or a transmission that was designed to go 130,000. Right. So, you got your money out of it. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just you know, you you could do it a number of different ways, but I mean, in he, my experience, the only way to fix that is to rebuild trains. Even if you go and get another unit from GM. Right you know, a factory unit. You, you're still you're still ahead of the game trying to buy another car or yeah. a newer car. Oh, absolutely.
3: Oh, there, there's no doubt
2: about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's Christmas, it's tuition, and it's yeah. taxes. I understand. <laughs> well, you can drive it.
0: Just drive it until it drops. I mean, just don't get anywhere where you can't afford to be left. Right. You know, because you're going to be towing it in when it goes. Right, right. Okay. But guys. it may go a while, you know. I mean, it may, who knows. I, just be I, gentle on it. Yeah, I had a guy one time in your exact situation, I dropped the pan. I told him, hey, I wouldn't even drive this thing home. He said, well, I'm going to try it okay well it may go a while he drove thing around for a year like that took it to orlando <laughs> and i mean sure enough it did finally go and he did bring it in and we did rebuild it but i mean he drove it for a year doing yeah. all those things so it just depends man it's kind of like people some of them get some malady and keel over dead the next day other ones drag out for quite a while yeah yeah i'd be oh, well. i'd take it easy you know yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't yeah i mean when Dude, starts, rough hard, it starts to shift hard go ahead and pull off turn it off Start it again, let it reset, because when it's slamming in gear, it'll tear some stuff up for sure. And just go, well, as, go as easy as you can. Give it a little few seconds to warm up in the morning.
2: But, you see, it never, it, whether it would be cold or hot, it never affected the hard shifting.
0: No, that's only after you drive at a distance yeah. that that's going to occur.
2: Well, I, yeah, yes and no. I yeah, mean,
0: it's, yeah that, that is. It is. I mean, you take it to New Orleans and back and see what happens. Okay. All right? Okay, guys. Gotcha. Okay, John, thanks, man. All right, man. Bye-bye. All one sixty nine zero one. 291-6901. Oh. Did I... Push the wrong button hey, yo, i'm sorry robert robert i believe it was robert yeah, yeah robert if you call right back i'll put you straight up at the top of the list i accidentally cut you off i'm sorry you know that's a, sort of an interesting phenomenon and we hear that so very often today that well it's running fine i don't feel any symptoms but cars today even an 05 model right are absolutely designed to prevent the driver from experiencing symptoms sure Sure, that's it is the going way to they're do, designed. It is going to do everything it can do to keep you from feeling a symptom. It's going to keep allowing and adjusting and adapting, but it's going to tear the vehicle up. Right. It's going to get to a certain point where it can't do anything else. Well, that's right. I that's like, when the check engine light comes on. So like the first caller, he says it's running fine. Well, it is, yeah, except the time belt's going to break. And right. when it does, it's going to destroy the engine. Or we hear a lot of times, well, why should I get the spark plugs replaced? The car's running fine. Well, but what's happening is that the computer is increasing the duty cycle on the coils because the plugs are worn out. So the calls are now running at 40% duty cycle and are designed for 10%. Now you melt eight calls down at $100 a piece. Yeah. Instead of, and you still got to put those spark plugs in. It. Right but it ran fine right up until the day right up check to the time eye time eye it came quit on running. And quit running yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not like the old days where you just run them until they start giving you symptoms And because, then start working on right them. you got to be proactive on those things and we're going to phone lines with Robert good morning robert good morning how you doing today? doing great sir
4: you weren't joking about those 4060E transmissions. I just got rid of a 98 1500 that had 314,000 miles mm-hmm. on when the transmission finally quit.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some of them go some the life of the vehicle. Some do. And, you know, I've seen people who just, it seems like they abuse the snot out of it and it goes and goes and goes. Yeah. Other people take care of it religiously and they still conk out. So I guess, like people, you know, Different, there things, things, different things kill them, but... There was some good ones built and some poor ones built, you know? It just depends on the luck of the draw. But overall, it's, it's not a horrible transmission overall.
4: I got a question about, uh, actually, a vehicle with that same transmission. It's mm-hmm. a uh, 2000 Tahoe. Okay. okay. With the
0: 5.3? Yes, sir.
4: I've got a rear main seal that is just pouring Yes, well. sir. And I'm wondering, is that something that is worth trying to just put it up on uh, stands and back the transmission up and change myself, or... If you're real, real that, handy...
0: Yeah, if you're real handy, if you can pull the transmission, you could do it yourself. Now, it's generally not going to be the rear main seal, Robert. It's going to be the rear main seal cover plate. And the way that one's made, if you go on my website and type in rear main seal GM, it's going to bring up an article and show you exactly what I'm talking about. But it's like a cover plate that goes around. That's where they generally leak. And the rear main seals in the cover plate. Of course, change them both together. They come as a kit, but that's normally where that leak is. And there's a special setup on that plate with the oil pan because the bottom of the oil pan bolts the transmission up and if you don't get that right you'll end up tweaking a transmission or breaking a, a ear off of it or something right. trying to it put it, it back to all together. be lined up when you put it back together
4: i actually did just change the oil pan gasket on it because mm-hmm. it was leaking pretty badly too okay. but it's
0: still- yeah that's a couple of leaks in fact go on my website just type in like "all leak gm and it's gonna bring up an article about that engine in particular and it'll tell you all the places they leak and what's involved in it
1: fantastic Thanks. all right okay all man. right thank, thank you. you
0: bye-bye All right, we got to take a quick little break, but we will be right back with a whole lot more. Travel my way, take the highway, that's the best. I had a bad dream the other night. Can't be worse than mine. I was buried up to my neck in the desert, surrounded by an army of prairie dogs and their leader rides up. Rides? Yep. It's Yule Brenner, and he
3: orders me to eat this huge mound of candy corn, so all the prairie dogs line up and feed it to me piece by piece. I'll never look at that Halloween confectionery the same again. What about you? Well... I dreamed I forgot to schedule my annual general inspection at AGCO and my
0: car left me stranded on I-10.
3: Now that's scary. AGCO Automotive is here with the best way to keep up with car maintenance. Get our annual general inspection. You pick the month, we check out your vehicle and recommend any maintenance you may need, which can save you costly repairs down the road. That was
0: a freaky dream. Were you on medication or did you eat anything strange? Uh,
3: yeah. I actually ate a whole bag of candy corn left over from Halloween. 2014. Oh. Schedule your general inspection today at AGCO Automotive. AGCO. It's the place to go.
0: Hey, welcome back. If join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldezan with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between tools, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you give us a call? We always enjoy hearing from you, and we're going to thank everybody for spending our Saturday morning with us. Yes, we do. There you go. Hey, give us a call. You know, we are talking a little bit about the uh, buying cars and such as that and we touched on buying a car with the accessories that you need or won't uh-huh. or desire and i had a fella come to me one time and he asked if we could take a truck and convert it to a four-wheel drive
1: mm-hmm.
0: i said well yes you could it could but be done it would be less expensive to sell the one you have and buy a four-wheel drive right one that's already set up designed and, and built for four-wheel drive right it's got different differentials it's got different transfer case different bell housing even the computer software is different all right. the wiring harnesses i mean you'd have to change so much stuff on a newer one yeah when the car was built or truck was built it was designed with all that in it and it all works together and it's it's a design setup and when you go and start trying to piecemeal that into a vehicle that never was designed to have it, you're really better off just to get rid of that vehicle if that's not what you want and, and buy you want. one that has the things that you want in it. You're going to be a whole lot cheaper and a whole lot better. Another classic thing that's not quite as popular anymore, but at one time when the sunroofs and all first came out, they mm-hmm. were very, very popular. Right. Everybody wanted a sunroof on their car. And it was not unusual for the dealership to send the car out somewhere and they would take and cut a hole in the roof and put a sunroof in it for you, which looked like a sunroof, but it wasn't the factory original setup. Now, the problem there was when you cut that roof, you're cutting some of the structure of the body out. When the factory did that, they put reinforcements, they stamped panels that were made to accommodate that. Correct. Sunroof, sunroof in there, all the drainage and all was in place. It was all undercoated and painted that way, so that everything worked really, really well. And the ones that you would get installed, it seems like they would either leak or they would end up rusting out around the edges of the sunroof because when they cut it, they didn't they properly cut it quite right. rust proof it or whatever. It's not that that could not be done and has not been done, but it is certainly better to buy a vehicle that was factory designed engineered and assembled the way you wanted it sure it's just not ever going to be quite the same when you go in and start piecemealing sort of like if you ever notice a house that has had a room added on to it, in, it or, or they've taken the carport in yeah it's never quite the same you can sort of stand back at the curb and look at it. you can say well, well you yeah, yeah, that, had, that, that had a room put in there you know? huh. and that's not to say that with enough work it can't be done. Oh, it can be done. I have seen it done. An architect come in, draw draw it out the way it should be. It's all engineered and done and it can sure. be and same thing with a car. It can be done, but the cost is generally gonna be so excessive. Whereas with a house, number one, houses not only hold their value, but increase in value over time. Cars do not. Right. Cars lose Cars. value over time, and to a point, to a point, And you can't afford to go and spend a hundred thousand dollars redoing a car, right. whereas you could spend a hundred thousand dollars on a house because if it was originally worth two hundred, you spend a hundred. Now it's probably worth three hundred or, or more, or maybe three fifty. Right. So it's not like you're doing a backing up sort of a situation where you paid twenty thousand for a car dumped another 10 into it but now it's only worth five (laughs) 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 particularly when someone finds out that a car has been modified believe it or not that lowers the value of the car it doesn't even though you think you're enhancing or improving it really depends on what kind of vehicle you're talking about because some of your antique cars yeah that's a whole that's a whole different genre of of vehicle well and really everything that we talk about we're talking about current production model cars when you get into the genre of antique cars or custom cars well it's right. a, whole, you know, different that's a whole different thing but even with a custom car if you ever notice if you watch some of these auctions and all the cars that were original uh-huh. put back exactly the way they were originally built garner so much more money than a custom car because that custom car was custom designed for one person. That person loves it. Right. But to find another person who that feels makes... the same way about it is going to be very, very different. Now, mm-hmm. if you just happen to find the other person who has the same exact taste as you, he loves it, then He's he may be willing to, spend well the money. to pay the money that you put into the car. But you'll see that a lot. I know I watch American Pickers every once in a while, yeah. and they'll talk about this guy. Last time I was watching, guy had a motorcycle he had customized and they said, well, it's worth $5,000. Wow. I thought it was, I've got 20 something in it. Uh-huh. Well, and it was probably worth that to you. But to the other guys, it's not. Yeah. You know, it's a modified motorcycle that's built to your taste and it's worth $5,000. <laughs> 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 it and you see that a lot, like with cars where someone has lowered them and put custom wheels on them and a all this stuff. A body kit or something like that. A body kit yeah. or whatever. They have lowered the value of that car for the most part. Right. You know, they haven't increased the value, even though they've spent a whole lot of money. They have not increased the value of the car. They've they've made it worth less. Another factor I know that comes to my mind when I see something that's been modified is I don't know who did this or how they did it. How good a job they did building it. How good a job. That's right. Because if I study the history, the track history of a certain vehicle, I can tell pretty much how good a job they did building it uh-huh. by the track history of this car. You know, If I buy a 2005 Chevy Suburban, And this one has not been modified. It's all like the way it was built. I know that's a pretty good vehicle because Mm -hmm. I know the track history of that vehicle. Right. But if I buy one that's been customized, well, now I don't know because I don't know who did it. I don't know how well they did it. Or what parts they used. What parts they used or anything else. So another key there when when you're buying a vehicle, like I said, you want something that has not been modified or changed or disturbed in any way. From the factory build. That's right. The closer it is to the original way that it was built, like it rolled out the factory. The better that option is going to be. That is generally going to be the better vehicle. Yep. Because you're not going to have all the little collateral issues from the modifications. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> hey, one more quick little break, and we'll be right back with more in the Automotive Hour. man i had a bad dream the other night
3: oh me too i was abducted by aliens but they weren't little green men they looked more like a cross between a chicken and a gremlin like the 80s movie yeah so they take me up to this spaceship and onto this theater stage and in the audience sits all the cats of my ex-girlfriends and they're just sitting there judging me even mr piddles who i actually kind of liked oh uh, what was your dream I dreamed I forgot to schedule my annual general inspection at AGCO and my car broke down. Now that's scary. Hey. At Agco Automotive, we know it's hard to keep up with maintenance. What do I do at 15,000 miles? What do I do at 75? We recommend an annual general inspection. Just pick a month and bring in the vehicle. We'll give it the once-over and can recommend any maintenance you may need before something causes bigger problems down the road. So did they take you to their leader? No, they made me watch a cat video reenactment of Steel Magnolias. It was horrible. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go.
0: Hey, welcome back. If you just joined us, the Automotive Hour, I'm your host, Louis Aldezan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Whatever you have a question about, you give us a call. We're glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. Of course, we're talking about buying a car and such as that this morning, but take a call on just any topic you might have. That we will. And should you happen to miss your opportunity to get a live answer this morning, you can always go to the website and get your questions answered that way. The address is agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. There is a contact bar on each and every page. Just click the button, fill out the little form, and send it on in. There you go. Couldn't, Couldn't be, be an easier, easier than that. <laughs> <laughs> That's Exactly right. Another thing to look at when you are considering buying a car, and particularly a used car, is if you go with one of the industry leaders, uh-huh. cars that are popular, there's generally a reason why a certain car is popular. Right. It's because a lot of people bought that car. Of people like that car. A lot of people like that car. A lot of people like that car. That's why they kept building, and it's more and more and more out there. Now, another thing that's really good, if you look at the resale value of a certain model or make or whatever relative to all the cars around it, for instance, if you start checking resale values, you will notice that most Toyota and Honda or Acura or Lexus products have a very high resale value. They do. That's because a lot of people have had good results with that car and they're willing to pay more money for it so the car brings more money. Right. Now, you compare that to some cars on the market. Like, for instance, European cars are sort of notorious for this. And I'm not going to start mentioning names, but you may see a car that costs 75 dollars $80,000 new and it's three years old and it's selling for $30,000. Right. Well, there's a reason for that as That's well. right. It's people who bought the car new are all caught up in the – buying experience or whatever they're willing to pay a huge amount of money for it but then by the time they got rid of it other people know that right (laughs) it comes back down to reality in the used market yeah now not only a car with a higher resale value and people don't want to pay any more than they have to so they tend to shop price but you got to remember when you're paying a higher resale value going in you will get a higher resale value when you get out Sure. So the car is not going to cost you any more overall because your interest price might be slightly higher, but your exit price that you get for it will also be higher. So it's going to sort of cancel out. And the time of owning that car is going to be less expensive. That's the big thing because that's a recurring expense. You know, it's a one-term expense when you buy the car. That's a one-time deal. You paid the money, it's done. Mm-hmm. When you sell the car, you recoup part of it. But in between is a recurring expense. Right. You have the maintenance issues to deal That's with. That's right. And and you buy a vehicle that has a high maintenance um, program with it. Right. Then you're going to spend a lot more on it versus mm-hmm. one that doesn't. That's right. Now, that being said, you have to look at your maintenance schedule. And around Baton Rouge, Louisiana, we like to use the severe service as kind of the normal service. Well, most people are under severe service here. Yeah. We d- take short trips. We're over 90 degrees most eight of the year. Months, yeah, eight months out the mm-hmm. year. So that, A lot that of stop-and-go traffic. That is severe service. Mm-hmm. So, And not only was listed, because manufacturers have gotten aware of the fact that people look at those maintenance services. That's why they've cut them way, way, way back. Uh-huh. They don't really, in my opinion, give you as much service as the car needs to really provide the uh, kind of use you need. One good way to find out what the track history is on a particular car before you buy is to call your service provider. If you've got a shop you've been using for years, which is always the best thing. You've got one guy who fixes your car for you, right? Call and ask him what he thinks about it. Right. Or send him an email or whatever in my case. And the shops out there are going to know the service history on most of the cars. Sure. I get that email probably two to three times a week where someone's considering buying a certain car And asking my opinion. And I think that's a great, great thing to do. And many times we can save people from major, major mistakes, making the wrong decision, had a, a lady who had called earlier or excuse me, emailed earlier this week, and she just bought a Suzuki right here in Baton Rouge. And she says, I can't find anybody who can service it. Do you, I said, well, no, I'm sorry. We don't, but since Suzuki is no longer in the United States, they don't have any dealerships and, what happens is that with every different car you're going to work on, if you're going to work on it right, you're going to have to buy an extreme amount of tooling and equipment and such as that. Correct. It may cost you fifty to $60,000 for every different model of car that you're going to service. Now, because automotive service shops are in business for, to make a living, they can't afford to invest that much money in a car that's no longer here. Sure. There's just none of them around, and the ones that are here are getting older, and they're going away. So very few, if anybody are going to buy the equipment to service that car. So you can so you're end up with s- a car that's non-serviceable, right? The same thing happens with a current model. That's just not very popular in the area. Mm-hmm. I know we've said this a number of times in the past, but some of your cars that are popular elsewhere, like say your Subaru in the Northeast or Northwest are extremely popular cars. And that would be a good car to buy in those regions. But if you buy that in the Baton Rouge area, you can have very, very few service choices because not a lot of people, there's not many of them around. So people aren't going to invest the money. All right. They're not tooled up, to, 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 tooled work up on to work on that car. And so you want to make sure you get a car that is locally popular. And that way you have far more service choices. Let's go back to the phone lines. We have Steve online. Good morning, Steve. Hey, guys. Yes, sir. Appreciate
4: you being out there every Saturday morning. Never miss you.
0: Oh, you bet. Thank you.
4: Maybe a... A little unfair question, but I'm asking anyway. Go ahead. I'm looking to get somewhere like an 06 through 09 Toyota 4Runner. Mm-hmm. And I've looked at a couple of them, and the man in me wants a V8 one. Okay. They, they make, you know, they're limited models, but right. I like the V8. And i really, uh really leaning towards the four wheel drive. Okay. Just because in the future I'm going to be in an area, move to an area that probably I'll be able to use it more than around Baton Rouge. Mm hmm. Just generally speaking, I mean, uh, any car I buy, always bring to y'all to check it out. Mm-hmm. But at any rate, is there any considerations? I'm not worried about gas mileage, but about the actual drivetrain of a four-wheel drive, four-runner versus uh, the two-wheel drive and different major differences between the V8 versus the V6?
0: Well, Steve, four-wheel drive adds a number of components to the car. And all of those components require maintenance. All those components require service. It also complicates service. You know, pulling the transmission out of a normal two-wheel drive vehicle is maybe a four-hour job as opposed to a four-wheel drive vehicle, which is probably an eight-hour job. So it complicates other services. Now, all of that being said, if your heart's set on a four-wheel drive and you're going to use it, it's not a horrible setup. It's not going to break every day or anything like that. It's just going to be a price that you're going to pay. And if you're not using it, it deteriorates because it's not being used. So it's one of those things you just, you got to kind of let your wants dictate to your needs, you know, uh, or your needs dictate to your wants. I know my dad always told me, boy, don't let your wants get above your needs. <laughs> if it's something that you really think you want and you're really going to use, then yeah, it, it's no real big issue there. Other than it's going to cost more to maintain. It's two differentials. It's a transfer case, an extra drive shaft. It's some more electronics. It's, it's just some stuff that has to be maintained. But all that being said, it is awful nice if you use it. You know, if you're in an icy area or a snowy area or a muddy area, it it definitely gives you way more than twice as much traction. So as far as the V8 issue, personally, Steve, I would go with a six-cylinder just because the V8 models come with a lot of other stuff, accessories and all that I feel is just fluff and tends to break a lot more. It's just they know that a guy who's willing to pay for the V8 is willing to pay for a lot more stuff, so they tend to add a lot more junk on them. Sometimes they have the electronic suspensions on them and all that kind of garbage that I really don't like. That V6 has got pretty much all the power you're ever going to need, and it's a good little motor as long as you don't overheat it. If you overheat it and cook it, you'll blow a head gasket, but you do that with almost any engine. But, I mean, unless you just really want a V8 for some reason, I wouldn't. Go to the expense of buying that. I mean, it's going to limit the number of vehicles you have to look at severely, because only a few of them came that way. Again, it complicates service; it's more expensive to maintain. And I just don't feel it's really got a lot more power than what the six. I mean, the six will drive that thing eighty miles an hour all day long, and pull anything you want to pull.
4: Yeah, it looks like it's only about thirty-five or forty more horsepower. Yeah, runner. It's not a huge
0: difference. I just don't think I would go to the expense of doing it. I mean. Unless that's what you want. And again, if you're buying something, you might as well get what you want. But I would probably weigh out the four-wheel drive issue. Try to put it on the table. Best thing is get your wife's opinion because she's not caught up in in it like you are. She'll give you a little balanced input. I mean, if it's something you're really going to use, yeah, sure, why not. But, I mean, how often are you going to use it? I mean, we get people come in sometimes with a – regular pickup and they want to put a big old set of mud grips on I it. well, every once in a while, I want to get in the mud. Okay. Well, how often do you do that? Well, maybe once every year I'll say, okay, well now mud grip tires wear out faster. They're a lot noisier. They don't ride nearly as good. And they cost more. Are you really going to use it enough to justify that? And once they sit down and think it through, they say, well, you know, 99.9% of the time I'm on the highway. <laughs> so why wouldn't I get a tire that's good for the highway? <laughs> and one half of 1% I'm in the mud. So, I don't know. It's like anything else. You know, it's just it comes down to what you want. But I don't think you'd go too, too far wrong either way.
4: Yeah, I mean, it looks like 4Runner, the Toyota 4Runner. I mean, I've got I've had two of them, and they just run forever. They do. They do. Good
3: little vehicles.
4: They. I just thought I, I said, I guess probably the 4 drive 4Runner is probably going to be about the best they've made. It's, and they seem to be cheaper, you know, in the used market. the oh, yeah. 4WD, because like you say, and I figure most people don't even use it. It's almost like getting a new truck. Yeah, well, and it's got 80 or 100,000 miles on it other than the timing belt.
0: Well, and it's sort of like we were talking about earlier. Things tend to come back to reality in the used market. And a guy paid a premium price to get that stuff new, but on the used market, it really doesn't add that much value. And a lot of used vehicle shoppers are a little more savvy than new vehicle shoppers. And they say, well, this is going to cost me more to maintain. It's going to do this, it's going to do that. So the value comes down on it. So watching the value of the car, is one way to kind of judge the quality of the experience of owning it All all
4: alright you all right all right y'all guys have a great day and don't forget to watch
1: the championship today
0: all we're going to do is all right <laughs> thanks man <laughs> bye-bye bye-bye all right 291 6901 is the number if you want to be part of the automotive i right, we'd love to have you and willie if you hold on you'll be straight up after this break
3: Whew. I had a bad dream last night. Girl, me too. I was out on a date with Matthew McConaughey. Well, that doesn't sound too bad. But literally, all he could say was, All right, all right, all right. Still, it's. In auto tune. All right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. Over and over and over. Oh, it was a nightmare. What about you? I dreamed I forgot to schedule my annual general inspection at Agco, which cost me thousands in repair. Now that's scary. Agco Automotive's general inspection is the best way to make sure your car performs at its peak and you're not surprised by any major repairs. Bring your vehicle in once a year, and we'll recommend any maintenance. We can even help decide if it's worth fixing or time for you to purchase another. My dream was scary, but yours was, uh... All wrong, all wrong, all wrong. <laughs> okay, are you finished now? Schedule your general inspection today at AGCO Automotive. AGCO, it's the place to go.
0: Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldersand, president of AGCO Automotive. We've got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here in the co-pilot seat. Hey, between the two will us we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have, go ahead and give us a call, 291-6901. And that's what Willie did. Good morning, Willie.
5: Good morning. Yes, sir. This is about a electric generator. Okay. I bought this generator right after our big, last big storm. hmm. And I put it in the storage the way the manufacturer suggested. hmm. But that was, oh, uh, what, five years ago? Wow. Right. <laughs> so, what do I do now to the generator? Is there anything I need to do to it?
0: Well, if it's been five years. Willie, at very least, you're going to have to drain the fuel tank, get rid of that old gas. Wait, I did all that. Okay. Change the oil. Change the oil in it.
1: I only had 10 hours. It doesn't matter. It doesn't
0: matter. It's five years old. It's been sitting there, and the moisture's been building in and out of the crankcase. Yeah, and and that doesn't have a filter on it, so you're going to have to get that oil out of there. Okay. You will most likely end up having to have the carburetor rebuilt. You could try it and see if it'll start and run. Uh-huh. You know, change all, change the fuel, give it a pull, see what happens. If it will start and run, then great. But most of the time, what we find, especially if they've been sitting for that long with ethanol fuel in them, that carburetor is probably going to be done. Okay. So, I mean, if it doesn't start, that's the most likely cause. And there are a lot of people around who can rebuild that little sure. carburetor for you. It's not a very expensive thing to do i mean some of those carburetors you can even buy them cheaper than you have them rebuilt really Really? buy a new one Mm -hmm. okay i mean there's not a whole lot to them most of the time the either the float hangs up or the needle in the seat go bad or the vent stops up Mm -hmm. and i've taken a few of them apart myself and and cleaned them out and and got them running again Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. it's not that big a deal to have it done Uh, it shouldn't cost you that much if it needs it okay but likely once you get the new fuel in there and get the oil in it and pull rope about 15, 20 times, it still doesn't start. You know, that's what's going to be. And okay. the, the best thing is just to let that thing run. Go ahead and crank it up about every month or so and just let it run for a half hour or so. Let okay. it burn that old fuel out, add some more to it, put stabilizer in the fuel, of course. But they got to run. It's like any kind of a yeah. mechanical device. If they just sit five years, you just can't store them. I mean, okay. They're going to go bad on you. Okay. All righty. All right. Thank you. Okay, All right. bro, thanks, man. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All one sixty nine zero one is the number if you only part of the automotive hour. And we've got Fernando online. Good morning, Fernando.
5: Hello. Good morning, guys.
0: Hey, good man. Morning. How you doing?
5: Very good. How are you, guys? Great, great. great. I have a few questions. Getting a, a brake job for the first time ever on a car yesterday on, on my. Uh, 05 tundra okay and the it turns out the wheel studs on on one of the wheels on one of the tires um most of them were pretty messed up i guess from being uh, put on with what do you call it with uh An impact impact uh, mm-hmm. wrench rather or uh, than by hand do you guys use oem always for the wheel studs no uh, you don't have to
0: however you may find that the oem studs are probably as inexpensive or cheaper than the ones you buy aftermarket and i find they do last a little better a little bit harder material mm-hmm. I generally do buy mine from Toyota, but they if you can't get them from Toyota, they don't have them or whatever. I have used the aftermarket ones from time to time, but generally they're about the same price or even maybe even a little more expensive in a parts store. Okay.
5: And other thing, uh, when I was doing the break job, a neighbor who was there helping me, mentioned up to open up the reservoir for the brake fluid and i opened it and i saw that the level of the fluid rose a little stick a little bit out in a shop is that what you guys do or no Am I contaminated no, no absolutely not, not
0: see what happened fernando when you push those pistons back in on the calipers to get the new pads to fit what you yeah. did all of the trash in that system had collected in that caliper because the lowest point in the system When you push that piston, you just back flushed all that trash and crud through your system, which is extremely, extremely dangerous and damaging. That can take the ABS unit out. You may drive it along, and an ABS light pop on a month from now, and it'll be a piece of trash that's dislodged and caught in it, and that's a major deal. What we would do in a shop is we would flush the entire system out before we began to make sure you got all clean fluid in it. Then when you have to push that piston back in, you open the bleeder screw and expel that fluid so you don't push the nasty contaminants back through the system
5: okay okay
0: i mean it's too late now so all you can do is just yeah. hope for the best i mean i would He's, suck all the fluid out of the mouth so i put clean fluid in it and bleed it through the system you may be able to get out whatever's in there but a lot of times once it gets it's not in there, designed to flow but in one direction right. and when you push it the opposite way that contaminancy every bit of contaminants in the system are going to be heavier than brake fluid so they're going to settle to the lowest point which is the the, the wheel cylinders and the calipers. That's where all the trash is going to be. And like I said, when you push those pistons back in, you just back flushed all that through the system under pressure.
5: Okay. Yeah, that makes sense because a few months ago I did a turkey uh, baser to mm-hmm. uh, remove the fluid, but it, it was from the uh, reservoir, obviously not from the lowest point in the brake system. So Correct. That, that makes right. sense. That's not going to help. And then my last question guys was my frontier? I ended up placing the thermostat that's the truck that yes for sir, a long I remember. time has mm-hmm. that problem. It didn't change absolutely anything. Really. So first time that I took it to the shop, they mentioned uh, changing the clutch fan. I replaced the clutch fan. And then now I was told uh, to replace the thermostat. I already did that. Mm
1: -hmm.
5: And now now I don't know what to do. I I don't want to take it back to the same shop. But what would be the next step? Without
0: seeing the vehicle, Fernando, there's not going to be any way to diagnose that. It's got something wrong in it. It's got to be something that's bypassing that thermostat somehow. Mm -hmm. I just have to see the vehicle to tell you. It's nothing I can diagnose over the telephone. But... I mean, when the thermostat closes, the engine's got to get the operating temperature. If it doesn't, then something's bypassing the thermostat for some reason. Yeah. You just have to have somebody who really knows what to do and inspect it and find out what's going on there. Because, see, the fan clutch yeah, yeah. is not going to have any effect on that. That The fan clutch just freewheels when the engine's cold anyway. It doesn't do anything. I mean, it only operates when the engine's hot. All right.
5: Well, continue with the journey. And thank, <laughs> you, thank you guys very much for your time. All right, Fernando. All right. How's the weather out there in California? Right here, I'm in the city of Central Valley city called modesto um today i'd say it's going to be in the 50s that's going to be the highest temperature i guess wow that's a little cool for you
0: yeah
5: yeah yeah, little, yeah it's a little cool when here in the summertime it can get up to 110 degrees yeah <laughs> wow
0: okay well great thanks for
5: calling fernando all right great talking mm. to you guys again all right, all right man bye-bye,
0: bye-bye. all one sixty nine zero one. we still got a few minutes if you want to give us a call and get you an answer and we were talking about purchasing a car uh-huh. or such as that and one last point that I would like to make and that is a lot of times we hear well I bought a such and such and such and those are supposed to be good cars right well yes traditionally that car may be a very good car but you still need to have that in- car inspected the individual car that inspectors. individual car right because you're talking about as a rule this is a good car. But it doesn't mean the one you're buying hasn't been wrecked and patched back together poorly. Or flooded. Overheated, flooded. Right. Engines shorted out. I mean, battery hooked up backwards. All sorts of things could have happened. Engines sludged up. Sure. So it's not enough to say, hey, I'm buying a good car. Because you have to have each and every car inspect it personally. And if you can't get to someone who can inspect it for you, if you go to our website and just type in used car, you can find a number of articles on used cars and a vehicle checklist. That'll tell you a lot of things to check before to you far. buy one. Yeah. You could become a pretty good vehicle inspector yourself sure. just by reading all of those articles. It would just take a little bit of your time, but you're going to be way, way ahead of the curve. Well, and the thing to do is go ahead, like Lewis was saying, read that article, go and look at the car. And when you find the one you think is right, right. then bring it to us bring and let, that let a professional look at it. Yeah. Afterwards. That's right. You can be able to screen out the ones that are sure. problematic that you don't want to have to spend money to have checked. Yep. Let's see if we can catch one more phone call. We got John on the line. Good morning, John.
6: Good morning, guys. Enjoy your show. Thank, Thank you. you. It's just something to add to uh, one of the callers brought up earlier about the generators and the problem with the fuel and mm-hmm. the carburetors. Yes, sir. Just a little tip, just something to add to it. I, I got a friend that's in the aviation business and told me a while back. It's been years ago, and I've been doing it ever since. Never had a trouble, you know. Starting the generators mm-hmm. and sitting up for a period of time is use av gas. Uh, what you do is. Is after you finish using it, well, hopefully we won't have to use them anytime soon again. But mm-hmm. if you do use it, either drain or and run the rest of the fuel, or regular gasoline, out of the, okay. out of the tank and get you a couple of gallons of av gas, mm-hmm. put it in there, kind of slosh it around and run it and then cut the fuel off and then let it run out of the carburetor. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that way it prevents all that coming up. That av gas oh. is just a pure fuel. doesn't have all the additives. Down. Oh, very good. Uh, very good. Good You, may, good you may have to... You may have to go to one of the municipal airports. Right. You know, you can't go to the metro airport and get gas. But if you go out to Gonzales, bring you a tank, fill it up. Next time you use it, do that. I've been doing it for years. Never had a problem.
0: Very, very good. Great. All right. Thank you. All right, John. Thanks, thanks, Carl, man. Bye-bye. All right. I see we're just about out of time. we got a few more minutes. But we're talking about vehicle inspections and such as that. And another thing we hear a lot is you go to a car lot. And they're reluctant to let you have the vehicle to right. go have it inspected. And what I would just say is, hey, guys, I'm going to have it inspected. Or I'm not going to buy it. Sure. One or the other. And if they think you just kind of jack them around, they're going to be less likely. But if they know that you're going to buy this vehicle, if it checks out good. And if they don't want to let you take the vehicle, a lot of them have runners who can drive the car over. Sometimes right. the, the salesman will bring the car over and right. have it inspected. But just have to let them know, hey, this is the way it's going to be if you want me to purchase this vehicle. Sure. I, you're, you're, I mean, you're the one in control right now. You're the one trying to buy, That's spend right. money and buy a car. And when you buying, you're driving. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're going to go ahead and wind it on up and start getting on out of here. Tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening this morning and every Saturday morning on the Automotive Hour. like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. Tell your friends and... Go to your favorite broadcast or rebroadcast service, That's whether right. it be Stitcher or iHeart or Podcast or Podbean. IP- or, yeah, there, there are dozens of them out there, and most all of them are very, very good. So. And most all of them have a written review that you can fill out. That's right. And if you give us a written review, what that does, it makes the show show up more To the top of the list. Top of the list, so more people can listen, and that way we keep on doing the program. That's it. That's what we're here for. There you go. Preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.